people would say is that this has been a time of great joy. But what if I told you that the presence of Jesus, even in a pandemic, is still a place of great joy? What if all this goes on, and obviously there's all sorts of complications that I want to minimize the hurt and the struggle and the problems that it creates. Like, the struggles are real, but the Savior is more real. Christmas is supposed to be a joyful time, full of laughter, light, and hope. But with everything going on this year, joy might seem like a pipe dream to you. In today's message, Pastor Daniel reminds you that joy isn't based on your circumstances, but comes from living connected to the Lord. Just like Elizabeth's baby leapt for joy in the presence of Jesus, you'll be filled with deep joy when you walk close to Him no matter what's happening in your life. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Luke chapter 1 as he begins a new message called The Visitation. So as we continue our humble, sacred series together, we've been looking at the early life of Jesus, but it's amazing how often you know, in your mind, things look actually different than you thought they would. I'll never forget the first time that I went to Israel. You know, somewhere I'd always wanted to go. And I remember when Lynn and I got married and Obadiah was real young, we decided that we were, hey, we're going we're gonna to go to Israel. And I really, I couldn't wait to see all these different places that I had read about in the scriptures. But what I wasn't prepared for is the fact that living in the United States and around all these things, that I was, I was amazed at how I didn't know what I expected, but I didn't expect what I saw. Like, I remember when we were doing the Way of the Cross, and there's all these different stations that you stop at. And I remember at one point just being like, this is it. You know, because it was like, it, it seems so trivial compared to what I thought it would be. Like, it's like, I, I almost expected throughout Jerusalem, there'd be like roads and cobblestone streets, but then there'd just be like this path, like, which is dirt. But because it, it was, there was roads there, I was like, well, this is it. And I remember when I went to the Western Wall, and I remember, you know, and there are people praying there and people putting prayer requests in there. And really, I'm just like, okay, so like, these are just big rocks, but you, you realize that sometimes it, it looks so humble, but then you remember that, well, what makes them sacred? Well, of course, all that went on there. Like, I remember when, we, when Lynn and I, we wanted to go towards the, what, what we imagined was the Garden of Gethsemane. I'll never forget this. And so, so we, we, we went on out and we went to the east side of, of the city of Jerusalem and we walked up very steep and it was like, you know, and we're like, okay, this is where the Garden of Gethsemane was. It was amazing because we found this little garden there. And we walked on in there and I had a kind of a really kind of jarring, uh, unique experience there. I'll say that story for maybe another time. But, but I remember that as we were leaving this little area, you know, I ran into the caretaker of the park and, and that the caretaker had a little granddaughter. And so the little granddaughter and my Obadiah, they started playing together. And we just started talking and, and, and he was like, yeah, I take care of this park. I'm like, oh, why? And he said, well, for Christian pilgrims. He's like, you know, most people go into Jerusalem, into the city, you know, the only 
people who come around here to the east side are, are Christian pilgrims who realize that, you know, this was where the Garden of Gethsemane was, somewhere around here, where Jesus prayed. And he's like, so I decided, and he lived right on, like, across from the park. He's like, we wanted to put a place there so that Christian pilgrims could come. And he said, did you enjoy it? And I said, oh, and I just thanked him so much. I said, thank you so much. It was beautiful for us to be able to come here and think about, you know, who Jesus is. And then this, this man and I had this delightful talk. We must have talked for about a half an hour about all the different kind of dynamics of what it was for him, you know, living. And he, he was Arabic, you know, he's an Arab, and he's living there on the east side of Jerusalem. And some all the dynamics of what was going on there, you know, when we were talking about this park, he said, you know, he's like, I think sometimes we forget we live in a world where everything is so shiny. And he's like, a little park that I get to care for for Christian pilgrims blesses thousands of people every single year. And it's just a great reminder because I think sometimes in our life, you know, we have this tendency when we think of something sacred, we think of something beautiful or ostentatious. But oftentimes, really, the sacred things are the humble things. And just as we've been seeing Jesus as the, the marriage of humility and sacredness, and, you know, we're continuing to look at the events leading up to the life of Jesus as we're in this Christmas holiday season and as we're asking the Lord to, to do a work in our hearts, that we would see our lives and that just like Jesus, just like Mary, that we would see our lives in that same kind of humble, sacred reality that is pointed to us in this Christmas season. So in order to get at it today, I want you to open your Bibles to Luke chapter 1, verses 39 to 45. Luke 1, verses 39 to 45. We're going to be looking at what what I like to call the visitation. It's when Mary went to go see her relative Elizabeth. So Luke chapter 1, the third book in your New Testament. You have Matthew, Mark, Luke, the third gospel right there in between Mark and the gospel of John. Chapter 1, of course, is still the beginning there. Picking up in verse 39, it says this, Now Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste to the city of Judah and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. Now, put this in context, because just before this, an angel met with Mary and told her that she was going to be the mother of the Messiah. Right Now, he also told her that her relative Elizabeth, who had been barren, now was six months pregnant. And he says, is anything too hard for God? Is anything impossible for God? And then Mary surrendered her life to whatever God's will was. Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your will. And it's on the heels of that that we learn that Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste to the city of Judah... And entered into the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. Now, really what we learn here is that you and I, we need to be committed to humble service. We need to be committed to humble service because what we learn is that right after Mary gets the announcement from the angel Gabriel, she leaves Nazareth and she travels back down to where Jerusalem was in the south. And this was long before planes, trains, and automobiles, you know, it's like it was a long ride, and she had just found out that she was pregnant, and she immediately goes, and she wants to go see her relative Elizabeth, 
And you can imagine in this situation, if you're Mary, you're like, man, I'm going to be the mother of the Messiah. I mean, I need to go get my nails done, not knock and get your nails done. I need to go get a massage. I need a mental health day, right? Like, I just need to rest. I need to get into the jacuzzi, right? We have all these things of like, man, with what's going on, I have all these things I need to do. But that's not at all what Mary does. Mary right away is thinking about her relative Elizabeth who was older and who had been barren and now is with child and Mary's like, I need to go help her. And I love this. I mean, talk about what a beautiful reality this is where in no way is Mary like, man, I need to rest. I need to get my energy together. I need to work this stuff out. No, she automatically, out of all that went on, her first thing is I need to go see Elizabeth. Elizabeth might need my help. And I love that Mary is just committed to this humble service. It's as if what she heard from the angel Gabriel didn't puff her up at all. She's got no pride about, she's not like, wow, man, I must be really, really special. I'm the highly favored one, you know? I'm blessed among women. She's like, no, I'm blessed among women. I'm gonna go serve my relative Elizabeth. And she goes right to Zacharias's house and greets Elizabeth. Now, This is one of the ways that following Jesus is so unique from the culture in which we live because Jesus values us seeing ourselves not in our great titles, but simply as servants. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 20, verses 25 to 28. He says, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and those who are great exercise authority over them, yet it shall not be so among you. But whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Now you see that Jesus is the Son of Man. Jesus is God in flesh. He did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom. And he's saying, listen, For people who are outside of the faith, they want to lord their authority over people. They they want to make sure everyone knows this is the right pecking order. He's like, but not you guys. If you want to be great in my kingdom, then choose the lowest seat. Choose to be a servant. Make the voluntary decision to serve other people. And we see this in spades in the life of Mary. She's thinking about her relative who's older with child for the first time in her life. And Mary's like, I need to go see her so I can help. And it's such a unique way to live your life. And it's a way that I believe that when we simply respond to Jesus, we begin to recover. We begin to learn. And I remember this happened to me when I was a very young Christian. I remember just reading the Bible for the first time, reading the New Testament. And I remember I'd read these things and everything was just kind of like, it was so simple, right? Where it's just like, oh, serve one another. And so like at church, they'd be like, hey, we're having a church cleanup day. You guys should come. And I'm like, well, if I should serve other people, I should go, just go. <laughs> like, that's what you do, right? It's like, oh, you should be generous. Oh, okay, I'll just be generous. Like, I never did like the, what, what about this? I just like took it at its word, you know? And, and in a lot of ways, as you get older, sometimes you lose that kind of beautiful, youthful naivety. Where it's like, you're like, yeah, but, yeah, but. Yeah, but no, no. We should be committed to humble service. When, the, when we see a need, we should be like, hey, I want to meet that need, right? 
But I think what goes on in our day and age today is that in no other area are we ever being told this. So the only way that you and I begin to live like this is when we're inspired by the Spirit of God. When all of a sudden the Spirit of God is working on us, right? I remember I heard it said one time, somebody said, there's nothing I like hearing less than when a believer says, let me pray about it. And I'm like, what do you mean? They're like, well, that's what Christians say when they don't want to do anything. Like they, they, they put it on the Lord. Like, well, let me pray about that first, right? Like, hey, I need help moving. No, let me pray about that, right? It's like, no, no. It's like, you just don't want to do it. Just say, hey, I can't do it. But what we do is we actually want to use Jesus so that we don't humbly serve. And we're going to say, okay, what would you have me do? And in a lot of ways, we want to be that committed to that humble service because if there was ever a person who could say, listen, I need to relax for nine months. The Messiah's coming through me. I need to make sure there's a perfect pregnancy. I better not travel on the back of a donkey or whatever, 70 miles. I better not do anything reckless. No, she just, in, it says with haste. Mary had to go see Elizabeth because her heart was humble. And when your heart is humble, you don't need to lord authority over anybody. You simply serve. The greatest in the kingdom is the servant of all. So you have to ask yourself, where is Jesus inviting you right now to serve other people? One of the things that we learn is that we think that if people serve us and give us what we want, we'll be happy. But really what Jesus wants to teach us is that you're more blessed to give than receive. That's what the apostle Paul said that Jesus said in the book of Acts chapter 20. See, really when you choose to help other people and you meet them in their areas of brokenness or their areas of need and you are used by God to help them through that, then there is great joy that comes from it. See, Mary ends up being blessed because she goes to see Elizabeth because look at what happens next in Luke chapter one, verse 41. It says, and it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary that the babe leapt in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and she spoke out with a loud voice and said, blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. I love this. You know what we learn here? We learn that the presence of Jesus brings joy. The presence of Jesus brings joy because as Mary rushes into the room, you can imagine her coming on in. She's like, Elizabeth, are you here? It's, it's me, Mary. That the child, John the Baptist, when he was in Elizabeth's womb, jumps for joy, right? And Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit and then because she's filled with the Spirit, she speaks out with a loud voice. She starts blessing Mary. Blessed are you among women. Blessed is the fruit of your womb. If you go down a little bit to verse 44, it says, Indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the babe leapt in my womb for joy. See, when you think about what the Christmas season is all about, God becoming flesh and dwelling among us. What we realize is that what God wants for all of us is for our lives to have the presence of Jesus with us. And wherever the presence of Jesus is, there the Spirit produces joy in our lives. We have a tendency to sing in Christmas season, joy to the world, the Lord has come. But it's really easy to sing joy to the world, what about joy in our own hearts right now? You know, I think about all that's going on. I mean, it's such a, a crazy Christmas season here. You know, we're still in the midst of a global public health crisis, and 
The last thing people would say is that this has been a time of great joy. But what if I told you that the presence of Jesus, even in a pandemic, is still a place of great joy? What if all this goes on, and obviously there's all sorts of complications, and I want to minimize the hurt and the struggle and the problems that it creates. Like, the struggles are real, but the Savior is more real, right? Like, there are all these issues and and, and problems, but the presence of Jesus brings tremendous joy. When you are with Jesus and when you live your life in the presence of Jesus, then no matter what goes on, there is tremendous joy in that. It it makes me think of the Apostle Paul. Remember when him and Silas, they were in that Philippian jail and they were in the stocks. I mean, they weren't just like hanging out in a jail cell. I mean, they were literally in stocks. It was completely uncomfortable and they're praising God. And when there's this big earthquake and the doors open, they don't even move. Why? Because they're enjoying the presence of the Lord. Why why would they want to be anywhere else? There's no other place they'd rather be than right where they are in the presence of God. I think about the story of John Patton, who was a missionary to what we call today Vanuatu. Back in the day, it was called the New Hebrides. And I'll never forget, I was was reading in his great missionary biography. If you ever want to read an amazing story, the book is John G. Patton, Missionary to the New Hebrides. That's what it's called. And there's this great scene in there. It's horrifying because Vanuatu, long before it was one of the most beautiful places to live on the globe, that's how it's been, you know, voted many, many years. It's an island, you know, kind of way off the coast of uh, Australia. But the people who lived there were cannibals. They ate people. And really the entire story of his life there was like kind of one harrowing escape after the next one where people were trying to kill him. And they they had this one situation where they were really coming after him. And not only would they eat people, but they had muskets at this point. So they had guns. And John Patton climbed up into a tree. And he's watching these folks, you know, the natives of the New Hebrides, he's watching them search all over for him and they have muskets and he's like, man, this is it. But then he said that God met him in such a powerful way in that tree that he thought to himself, this is the best place in the whole world, being up in this tree. Well, well, these people are literally hunting him below because the presence of Jesus was so strong and he felt such joy. Of course, this reminds me of Psalm 16, verse 11, which says, you will show me the path of life in your presence is fullness of joy, and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. In God's presence is fullness of joy. See, I mean, you think about this story. Mary has Jesus in her womb. She comes to see Elizabeth. Elizabeth's got John the Baptist in her womb. Right as Mary greets her, the babe leaps for joy, and Elizabeth says it's filled with the Holy Spirit. And then she automatically begins to bless Mary. You know, in a lot of ways, that's how you know when someone's filled with the Spirit, they bless other people. You know, I think it's unfortunate. We live in a day and age where, you know, the idea of being filled with the Spirit, is, it's got a lot of pyrotechnics involved in it. You know, but really, you know when someone's filled with the Spirit because they bless people because God's blessing is overflowing their, through their lives. And, and you realize the evidence of Elizabeth being filled with the Spirit was simply that she brought blessings, verbal blessings, into the life of Mary. 
For you and I, if you put your faith and trust in Jesus, then first you live your life in the presence of the Lord. So Jesus is, is an ever-present help in time of need. And two, the Spirit of God dwells within you because when you say yes to Jesus, the Spirit of God takes up residence in your life. And so right here, right now, in the midst of all that's going on in our culture and in our world and all the complications, you are in the presence of Jesus and the Holy Spirit dwells within you. So there is no reason for us at all theologically speaking, to not be joyful and not to be blessing other people. And I just simply wanted to encourage you that this, and I realize the holiday season with all that's going on and family struggles and this and that, it's real easy to get our eyes on other things. But listen, in the presence of Jesus, there's a ton of joy. So spend time in the presence of Jesus. You already are there. Let the Spirit of God walk in the Spirit and, and choose to bless other people. Now, it's amazing because, you know, obviously the work of the Spirit in the life of Elizabeth was to help Elizabeth identify that Mary was with child of the Holy Spirit. That, that Mary was carrying the Messiah. Notice, blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Like, nobody knew that Mary was pregnant. But what does the Holy Spirit do? He reveals Jesus to people. Like, there's not a person who's ever lived who's put their faith and trust in Jesus that the reason that Jesus was revealed to them wasn't by the power of the Holy Spirit. And what God wants to do in all of our lives every single day is the Spirit of God wants to reveal Jesus to us and in us and through us. And if you're listening to this right now and you're a follower of Jesus, that's exactly what God wants to do to you this holiday season. He wants to reveal Jesus to you and in you and through you in a more substantial way than you've ever had before. Are you available for that? Are you open for that? Are you saying, Lord, will you reveal Jesus to me? Now also, I realize that there are many of you who are, who are not yet followers of Jesus or you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus or you're curious about Jesus or maybe along the way you follow Jesus but things got messed up for all these different reasons and you're not following Jesus right now. Here's what I want to tell you. The Spirit of God is working right now to reveal Jesus to you so that Jesus can dwell within you so that he can work through you. And I don't want you to miss that opportunity to have the joy of the Lord because Jesus is present with you. I realize there might, you might have all sorts of questions about who Jesus is about how this all works. Listen, we all have questions. But the presence of Jesus brings tremendous joy. And if you were to receive him today, say yes to him, surrender your life to him. Give Jesus your life. If you were to do that, the presence of Jesus would bring joy. And really, the Spirit of God is working on you right now so that you would know Jesus, that you would trust in him and that you may walk in the Spirit. Jesus is real. When Jesus breaks into your world, everything changes. Thanks for joining us today as Pastor Daniel shared that the reality of Jesus transforms your perspective so that you can have joy no matter what's going on in your life. That doesn't mean that things aren't difficult or painful. That will happen in this broken world. But you can also have joy because you're connected to Jesus. He's your source of hope and joy, regardless of your circumstances. 
everyone needs a little encouragement to get through their day, and we have a way to provide that for you. Pastor Daniel has some excellent advice, truth, and love to share in his two-minute messages available on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just go to JesusIsRealRadio.com and click on the social media links to find them. You won't be disappointed, and your day just might get a little brighter. Place a marker in your Bibles and join us next time when Pastor Daniel will explain that the Holy Spirit reveals Jesus to people. As you continue looking at Elizabeth and Mary's reunion, you'll notice that Elizabeth is filled with the Spirit and knew that Mary was pregnant with the Messiah. No one told her. It was the Holy Spirit that helped her understand. The same is true for you and me. We need the Spirit to open our eyes to. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. On behalf of Pastor Daniel and the entire production team, we invite you to join us again for the next edition of Jesus is Real Radio.